Uh, so we are glad you're here. We are kicking off a new series, and we also want to say hi to our Facebook Live community as well. Uh, if they'll be getting this in about 45 seconds. Um, but uh, we're starting off a new series. It's four weeks called Awesome Stories About Jesus. And the reason, um, really all it is, is just four stories that I wanted to preach on Jesus that I think are awesome. So really, the title is called uh, John's Favorite Jesus Stories. But that <laughs> doesn't sound that great. So, um, so anyway, uh, we're, we're going to do that. And then after those four weeks, I would highly, highly encourage you to make sure you're at as many of the next six weeks as you can, because we are going to start a series called Different Voices, and there's going to be six different speakers. Uh, some of these are friends of mine, very seasoned, gifted communicators. Um, we'll have uh, Marty Edwards, who's the uh, founder of a motorcycle. Now, I always want to say motorcycle gang. It's not a gang, okay? Uh, it's, a, it's a club. Um, and then, what's that, Cece? Oh, yeah, it's on my desk. Can you go get that? Thank you. Two of them, yeah. Well, yeah, thank you. Doggone it, I messed up. I was, we have this, it's volunteer day today, and I had this, some gifts for the volunteers, but now that I don't have them, we're not going to uh, give them to them, so <laughs> that's just too bad. No, so uh, good, well, while she's, she's getting those, um, uh, we're going to have uh, these six speakers. So we'll have Marty, Marty Edwards, the founder of Black Sheep. We'll have uh, uh, Dr. Gary Black, who's a doctor of theology from Azusa Pacific University, who will be talking about heaven. Um, and so we'll have six of them. We'll have my accountability partner, Charles Latcherson, who's a pastor. He's been a pastor for years and years and years in Long Beach. And so he can tell you some stories about what I confess about every week. And uh, it'll, be, it'll be fantastic and fascinating. Um, yeah, they're on my desk. Did you get them? Oh, you need the key. Gosh, yes. And yes, for those of you at Facebook Live, we're usually this disorganized. Um, so in any event, um, it's going to be a great time. So let's get started, and then I'll stop in the middle, and then we can uh, say hi to uh, the, our two. You know what? Let's do it now. Let's have them come up, and then Cece can just give them to you. Can we have Mark Jefferson and Richard Mills come up? Come on. These two guys, I, I, I wish you could, if you ever get here early, or, um, and I mean early, like really early, um, these two guys, one of them will be uh, setting up all this equipment, they'll be checking on computers, they'll be setting up cameras. Oh, good. Thank you so much. And thanks for reminding me. When you were doing this, I thought you were just like, peace. And I was like, wow. But it was the, so, um, so we could not do Sunday morning without these guys. Uh, we just could not do it. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. They love attention. So make sure that uh, you give them a lot. No, they, they're, they're just humble servants. And so we thank you so much. We couldn't do it without you. And uh, I know you always say my pleasure, but, uh, <laughs> but thank you very much. Okay. Thanks for the reminder, Cece. Appreciate it. Okay, so uh, let's kick off our, our four weeks on uh, awesome stories about Jesus with one of my favorite ones. It's in the, in the book of John, and uh, I'll just give you a little bit of backstory of what's going on. 
Jesus has already done a bunch of miracles, and he's already annoyed a bunch of people, okay? And um, primarily the Pharisees. And so there's this talk, this tension about really the big question is, is Jesus from God or not? Because there's no middle ground here. Is Jesus from God or not? And this is the conversation that's going on wherever he ends up. And so you'll see this conversation in chapter 5. You'll see this conversation in chapter 7. And a lot of it revolves around how he heals and when he heals. Now, isn't that interesting? How he heals and when he heals. Not that he heals, right? It's like if I, if I heal somebody, you'd think that would be the big thing. But here's the problem that the Pharisees had and that you and I have. No matter how much your theology is correct, no matter how much you read the Bible, no matter uh, how much you, you think about stuff, because we're human and because we're finite, we have a tendency to place God in a box. We have a tendency to want him to perform a certain way. We want him to say certain things. And when we're confronted with God either being absent or silent or, or present but not working the way uh, we'd like him to, then it makes us very uncomfortable. And so we're going to look at um, a story about a man. And the, the funny thing is, it's, the, I said awesome stories of Jesus. Jesus shows up in the beginning of this story, and he shows up at the end of this story. The middle part is the impact and the effect that one encounter with Jesus can have. And so we are in John chapter 9, if you want to follow along. And um, Jesus is walking along the the road, and he comes upon a blind man. And now you have to understand the culture of this time is that if you were blind or lame or deaf or paralyzed or whatever, they believed that that was God's way of judging you. Now think about this. You think, well, that's kind of weird. But this is exactly what we do. Because that makes people uncomfortable. If, God wasn't, if it wasn't their fault then it must be God's fault, and we're uncomfortable with that, so you must have done something wrong. And so, because we can't explain why you would be born blind. We talk about, Jesus talks about this. And so, well, here's what happens. They come upon this blind beggar, and the, the, the uh, disciples ask a really common question. Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? He gives, gives Jesus two, two you got, it's either him or his parents. There's really no other way around it. And Jesus says, neither this man nor his parents sinned. But this has happened so that the work, works of God might be displayed in him. Now, in first passing, when you read that, you think, what? Is Jesus saying that God made that guy blind? And what we're going to learn that he's a man now. Like he had to live his whole life blind just so that God could perform this miracle and kind of show off. And first reading... That's what it might say, um, you, you might think. But here's the reality of it. All of us, every single one of us, have places in our lives that are blind, that are broken, that are spots that maybe we, um, uh, maybe we don't fit in so well with some people. Maybe we fit in too well with some people, <laughs> right? These, these spots. What Jesus is saying is those spots the places you're blind, the places you're broken, those are exactly the spots that God 
wants to bring out into the light. Those are exactly the spots that God wants to restore. That Jesus was in a restoration ministry. And those are the exact places he wants to restore. And so he says that the works of God might be displayed in him. And then he goes on and he says, As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work while I am in the world. And then he says this, I am the light of the world. That spot in your life, that spot in my life, that's blind, that's broken, that's not working quite right, God wants to bring it into the light through Jesus. God wants us to hand that over, to give Jesus, as best we can, control over that area in our lives. He wants to bring light to that darkness. He wants to bring restoration to that brokenness. Jesus says, I am and the light of the world. And then Jesus does something outside the box. He does this. After saying this, he spit on the ground. I am the light of the world. No, that's not how it went down. Okay. Okay. He, he, he says, I'm the light of the world. And then he gets down and he spits into the ground. It's very disgusting. I'm a bit of a germaphobe, so I probably would have preferred him just sending me to the doctor. But uh, he, he spits in the, in, the, in, the, in the dirt and he makes this little mud paste. And he puts it on the man's eyes. Why did he do that? That's weird. Like, that's it. Like, you don't learn anything from that. Like, if you see a blind person, don't do that, okay? That's not like a, a, a recipe for how to get someone out of blindness. Why would Jesus spit in the, I mean, why didn't he just take, say, does anyone have a little bit of water? I need to make some mud. He spits in the ground, and he makes this little mud paste, and he puts it on his eyes. Now, Jesus could have done anything at this point. Jesus could have spoken and said, hey, guess what? You know, you can see now or do an I dream a genie and bam. And then the, guy, the, the person can see. He could have done anything. But he chooses to do something that he's never done before. That God, in the form of man, was beginning to operate outside of any of the boxes that you would expect him to operate in. If I were God, in the form of man, I would have done something like a fireball or some trick or what have you. He spits in the ground and he makes mud and he puts on his eyes. Then this is what he does. This is so fascinating to me. The guy's not healed at this point. He says, go, he told him, and wash in the pool of Silo uh, Siloam, which means scent. Wash in the pool of Siloam. Now, there's a space between where Jesus puts the mud on the guy's eyes and he washes. There's a space between when he performs something, he, he does his action be, before it's actually healed. This guy has to go do something. Now, here, don't forget the fact that he's blind. How is he going to get to the pool? I don't know. Maybe he has a friend or whatever. It's, it's a... It's a pain. And Jesus says, just do what I say. Puts this on, go wash. Now watch what happened. So the man went and washed and came home seen. Do you know what that must have been like? Like, like all of a sudden you can see and you're going home. Can you imagine what his parents were like when he opened the door and he's like, I can see. 
it must have just erupted. Like, how? What's going on? And, and, and throughout the whole village, uh, this news would have traveled extremely fast. Remember that guy who was begging that was blind? He can now see. As a matter of fact, it goes on to say, his neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging said, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? And here's the first set of people we see, kind of like you and I. No, that's impossible. God doesn't do that. I've never heard of that before. I've never heard of a man making up some mud and putting it on someone's eyes. That's not what God would do. Besides, he was born blind because of his sin or his parents' sin. Why, why, would, why would he just be healed? So they say, isn't he the one? And some claim that he was. And others said, no, it only looks like him. <laughs> you know? like, that there's got to be some other explanation. So he says, but he himself insisted, I am the man. <laughs> Like, you the man, I am the man. No, that's not what it was. But he says, it's me. I, 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 I can see now. I was that beggar. Now, I, I don't know if you've ever been in this place in your life where God has done something in your life and the people around you have a hard time believing it. It is a difficult place to be in because it just doesn't make sense. For some of us, uh, we've come out of um, things in our lives that had held us down for a very long time. We were a certain way and we allowed this experience with Jesus to begin to transform us. And people kind of go, wow, you've tried that before. I I don't know. I'm skeptical. We We all get this way. So they say this, Okay, smarty pants, if you're the man. I mean, that's in a different translation. How then were your eyes opened, they asked. And so he goes into the story. And I can imagine him telling the story in the middle of it going, this sounds like the corniest thing I've ever heard of in my life. He says, the man they called Jesus, and I want you to see how he looks at Jesus. Right now for him, he's just the man they call Jesus. The man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes, and he told me to go wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. <laughs> like, how do you tell that story with a straight face? Like, that, that's it. And so, just like anybody else, they're skeptical. They're like, really? Okay, so a man spit on the ground, mix it into a little mud pie, put that on your eyes, told you to wash, you did, and then you could just magically see. So they asked this question. Where is this man? (laughs) This so-called man that put mud on your eyes. Where is he? What he says next is so key, and I think it's key in my own life as I think about my relationship with Jesus, and I think it's key in yours as well. What do you do when someone asks you a question about your experience with Jesus and you don't really have an answer? This guy comes up with three words that he feels comfortable saying. And for the longest time in my relationship with Jesus, I couldn't say these three words. It made me uncomfortable 
It, 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 it meant that I didn't really have an answer. But as I've grown in my faith and as I've talked to person after person after person who's asked me question after question after question uh, about God and about Jesus and about the Bible and about creation, I've learned to become comfortable with these three words. I don't know. I don't know. Now, this might make you uncomfortable because you're like, John, I think we pay you to know. I think that's your job is to know. And, 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 and thank you. I appreciate that. I really do. But there are some times when your experience with Jesus is such that you don't really have a good answer. And oftentimes we hem and we haw and we come up with what we think. And those, that's great. You can look at scripture and all these. But sometimes the correct answer is... I don't know. I don't know. And so I wrote this down um, for this morning uh, that I hope we can take with us this week. You don't have to explain Jesus to experience Jesus. You don't have to explain Jesus to experience Jesus. Now, some of you, uh, just in either online or uh, in, in this auditorium here, this is where you're stuck. Because there's some things about Jesus you just don't understand. There's some things about following God, or, and, and it, you're just getting hung up on it. And, and, and maybe it is. Maybe you're like, well, science says this, and I think that, and the Bible says this, or, or I met a Christian, and I didn't like them, so I don't want to become one, okay? Uh, all, all these di- different ways. But I'm here to tell you, as someone who uh, has followed Jesus for decades, and have been a pastor for one decade, that I'm becoming increasingly okay with just saying, I don't need to explain Jesus. I've experienced the life transformation. I've experienced what it's like to hand my life over to him. And I've also experienced that the more I can do that, and sometimes it's very, very difficult, but the more I can do that, the more I experience and the less I can explain. So he says, Uh, He says, I I don't know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. And so they bring him to the Pharisees. Now, this is like, um, it's hard for me to explain. The Pharisees were the power broker at at the time. They pretty much held the community together. They they ran the synagogue and they ran the temple, okay, and the the priests as well. This was their community. They they were very, very important. And if there was a healing or there was something magical or mystical or different that happened, you would bring uh, this event to the Pharisees. And so they bring this guy to the the Pharisees. Uh, Now, on the day which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. This gives you a hint into why Jesus made the mud. Because you weren't supposed to make anything on the Sabbath. You weren't supposed to cook. You weren't supposed to bathe. You weren't supposed to travel. You weren't supposed to do anything. Could it be that Jesus, on purpose, broke out of God's box that morning? Could it be that Jesus made this mud to go, I want you to start thinking about a relationship with God a little bit different. I want you to think about what restoration looks like a little bit different. And so they they opened his eyes on the Sabbath. Therefore, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. And so he says, 
He put mud on my eyes, the man replied. And I washed, and now I see. You can tell he's getting annoyed at all the questions. So now it's just gotten down to, he put mud on my eyes, I, he told me to wash, and now I see. So it's like, you know, you know, brings it down. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. Can you imagine telling God he's not from God? Like, this is essentially what the Pharisees are saying. They're saying, we're going to make it. We know God. This is what God looks like. This is what God would do. And you're no God. <laughs> Others asked, well, then how in the world can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. If he's a sinner, how is he going to heal somebody? That's a great question. So they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. And so the guy's like thinking, I remember the first time this guy talks about Jesus, it was the man they call Jesus. That's about all he had. But now he's beginning to see there's something big. I mean, the Pharisees are freaking out and then they're having this discussion and he's probably thinking, yeah, how, how could a sinner heal me? All the while, he can now see. He's probably thinking to himself, I really don't care. This is awesome. And you're a lot uglier than I thought you'd be. You know, or like whatever, what, whatever it is. Really sexy voice, but oh my goodness. Yeah. Uh, so, so like that, that, that's, he's going through all this stuff in his mind. And so they, they turn to him and, he, and, and he, he, you can just kind of sense him going, oh, he's a prophet. He's a prophet. Now, think about what he was saying. He was saying he is from God. Now, he wouldn't have known if he was the Messiah or not or whatever. And besides, he hasn't even, think about this, he hasn't even seen Jesus yet. Okay? Jesus left. He went and washed and came back, and then he could see. So he comes to this conclusion. He's a prophet. Now, what I want you to see here is where a lot of us can be in our lives. And maybe when you first came to church, the fir very first time, you just said, you know what? I need to change. I need something in my life, something different. And that's where you were. And you're like, I don't even know about the Bible. And they sing songs. I don't even know any of these songs, okay? Maybe you had your iPod on. You were listening to Rush while we were playing music up here, right? And then, and then all of a sudden, you, you saw something in the Bible that just kind of quickened your spirit. And you're like, you know, you know, maybe this thing isn't a sham. And then you, you said your first prayer, and you, you, this journey that, you, you, that we are all on, this guy's on it right before our eyes. But they still did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Okay? This guy's still sitting here like, can we go? I mean, really, how long is this going to take? So they bring the parents, and they ask him, is this your son, they ask? Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it now, uh, how is it that he now uh, can see? And so the parents say this. We know that he's our son. We know that he was born blind. But how he can see or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Actually, they do know. Because he came home seen. And he told them the story that it was Jesus. But they were struggling with saying, hey, Jesus healed our son. And then, as good parents, they throw their son under the bus. <laughs> we don't know. Ask him. He's right here. He's of age. He'll speak for himself. And in which case, the 
son is just like, seriously, mom and dad? (laughs) What's going on? And you guys aren't that attractive either. So there you go. So, so, um, but the Bible tells us why they did this. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who had already pre-decided who God was, how God was going to work, and how it was all supposed to go down. They had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. Now, you and I, we're in a culture where if I put you out of our synagogue, you would just go down the street to another synagogue. Like, you, you would just go to another church. Or, you, you know, what have you? He's like, what? so what? He gets kicked out of the synagogue. The synagogue was the center of their community. To be put out of the synagogue meant you were a heretic and that you were to be treated like a pagan. You'd essentially be excommunicated, not just from the synagogue, but you couldn't go and sacrifice at the temple. So you couldn't, there was no way to take care of your sin. This was a big, big deal. And so everyone was scared about being kicked out of the synagogue. You were basically being kicked out of community. So they go back to the guy again. They say, give glory to God by telling the truth. We know this man is a sinner. (laughs) You know what this is like? Have you ever seen those cop shows where they get the guy, they, they, they get the guy in like the interrogation room and they're like, we know you did it. We have evidence, you know, and they're trying to trap him so that he'll just admit that he did it. This is kind of like that. There's a bunch of Pharisees around like, hey, hey, why don't you just make it easy on yourself? Give glory to God. We know this guy's a sinner. And here's what he says. Again, he's really comfortable with these three words. Whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. I don't know. And then he goes and he says one of the most famous things in all of Scripture. As a matter of fact, you've probably heard this many times, even if you're new to the Bible. He says, one thing I do know. I was blind, but now I see. I can't explain Jesus. I'm just telling you I've experienced him. I can't explain why I was born this way. I can't explain why I'm healed now. I can't explain why the mud trick worked. I can't explain any of this. I'm just telling you that I've had an encounter with Jesus, and this is who I am now. You don't have to explain Jesus to experience Jesus. And, and, and sometimes we just get caught up in this, that we're afraid to take that next step because it's unknown. We're afraid to, to, to give up a certain part of our life because we don't know if Jesus is going to handle that as best. But we have broken parts and, and dead parts and blind parts in our life, and we're just afraid that if we hand it over to him, we don't know what he's going to do with it. Or... There's just some things, some missing pieces in in how we believe. I'm just here to tell you as someone who's been a follower of Jesus for a very, very long time, I have become very comfortable with the words, I don't know, because I've experienced Jesus in my life. Well, the Pharisees were uh, still struggling with all of this. And so they ask him, what did he do to you 
And how did he open your eyes? And at this point, you can just imagine this guy like, oh, or everyone in the room, oh, please stop asking him. We already asked him this a million times. He answered. And then this is just awesome because you can just tell how, how ticked he is, okay? First of all, he said, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Here's what happened. Here's what happened. Here's what happened. That's all I got for you. So he says, I have told you, and you did not listen. Now then he says this. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? You love Jesus. Ooh. Right? Okay. I don't know if that's exactly how he said it. But uh, I don't know if you ever did that as a kid. But like he, he's just doing, oh, you want to be his disciples. He's getting really sarcastic and really snarky. Um, and so you can imagine the Pharisees dressed all up in their nice robes and their things. And they got the the phylacteries on their head it was just a box that had scriptures on it, which must look ridiculous, but I guess they thought it was awesome. So it's like, it's basically a fanny pack for your forehead. But, um, <laughs> so they had, they'd have that, they're walking around, you know, this, this whole thing. And this guy has the audacity to say, oh, you want to become his disciples too? You know, in which case he looked at his mom, he's like, ah, I got him. And then, uh, so they hurled insults at him. You are this fellow's disciple. And I don't know why we say fellow. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. This is not how God operates. So he must not be from God. The man answered, now that is remarkable. (laughs) You don't know where he comes from. Yet, he opened my eyes. Now, look at what he's doing. All he's talking about is his own experience with Jesus. He's not explaining Jesus. He's not saying where Jesus came from, that he came from Galilee, or he came from Bethlehem, or he came from heavens, or anything. He's just saying, listen, I had an encounter with Jesus. He opened my eyes. My life from here on out will never be the same again. Maybe that's why he's got so much confidence. Maybe he realizes, kick me out of the synagogue. I was blind. (laughs) Like, what can you do now? I can now see. I mean, go ahead. Kick me out of the synagogue. I still get to see, right? Yes, you do. Awesome. Whatever. So he says, we don't, we know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. See how his relationship with Jesus is growing and changing and moving, and he hasn't even seen him. Could it be that we're all on that same journey and we haven't even seen him? We just know of the effect that he's had on our lives. To this they replied, You were steeped in sin at birth. (laughs) How dare you lecture us? See, they go back to their old theology. That the reason you were blind in the first place was because either you sinned or your parents sinned, and you were steeped in that sin. And they threw him out. They threw him out of the synagogue. Because he couldn't explain Jesus. And they were threatened by that. And God doesn't do stuff like that because we know God. Well... Jesus heard that they threw him out of the synagogue, which I just, it doesn't say what Jesus did, but I can just imagine him just like looking up 
you know, like, I'm going back, you know, whatever. Um, I don't know. I just think of, like, really manly, hardcore Jesus. But um, so Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. I wonder if he, like, recognized Jesus' voice. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, you've now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking to you. Look where this guy comes from. The man they called Jesus to, I believe. And he worshiped him. Right there. What a day for him. <laughs> right? What, you're in the morning, you're begging, and, and by the afternoon, or depending on how long the interrogation was, maybe into the evening, you're now worshiping the Messiah. So, Jesus goes on, and now we realize that it wasn't just these two that were in the, in the room at the time. Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world, so that the blind will see, and those who see will become blind. The Pharisees who are with him, poor Pharisees, you give them a hard time, uh, heard this and said, What? Are we blind too? It's like, no, you sound like you're five years old. Jesus said, If you are blind... You could not be guilty of sin, but that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. As the worship band comes back up, we want to take just a little bit of time, um, and Ajua will uh, uh, read a poem that she's written while I was talking. And uh, We want to take a little bit of time to sit and reflect. Where, where are you in this relationship with Jesus? Right now, is it just the man they call Jesus or the Jesus in the Bible? Or maybe that's where you are, and that's fine. Maybe this morning's a, a, a day to take one step closer. Maybe, okay, he's a prophet. Okay, he's whatever. I'm moving closer to, I'll give him this area of my life. Now, don't get me wrong. He wants your entire life. <laughs> but he's patient in the process. And so maybe for you, you're at that point. You're like, man, you know what? I, I, I read the Bible. I believe the Bible. I've, I've, I've asked Jesus into my heart to be my Savior. Um, but I've kept this one blind spot hidden from everybody. As a matter of fact, it's the area in my life where I lie to myself as well. And maybe this morning is the morning that God wants you to hand that over. Or maybe you're, you're there and it's just time to worship. I believe. Maybe for you, this morning is the first morning you've ever asked Jesus to be Lord of your life. And that maybe during this time, you want to do that. It's just a simple prayer. You just say, Lord, I've lived my life on my own. I've done my own thing. I've had, you know my sin. I ask you to forgive me and to come in my life and be Lord of it. I'll follow you for the rest of my life. Maybe that's this morning for you. The other thing that we do during this time is we fill out our connection cards. And uh, if you have a prayer request or um, something, you fill that out. And uh, we take that. And some of us, this is, we, we give uh, to, the, to God on, at this time too. And so we get our checks or our cash or whatever. And, uh, or many of us give online. And we just take all those things, the tithes and offerings and those connection cards. And when the service is over, we put it in a box in the back. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we are thankful for your goodness. We're thankful that 
there's no box to contain you. Every time we think we got you nailed down, you do something radical. I am thankful that I don't need to explain you in order to experience you. And Lord, I just pray um, for all of us here as we take this time to reflect and to look at you, that we would hear your voice, that we would, um, that we would take another step in your direction. We thank you for that in Jesus' name.